All right, welcome back to episode nine of the Nosebleeds podcast. I'm Carl Martin. With me, we got Bannon Crowley. Hello. And no Cam still. He'll be back, hopefully, by the next time we uh, we record. Uh, To get straight into it, let's talk about the NBA. A lot of topics for us to touch on in this, but we'll start with the MVP race. A lot of people's top two at this point is Jokic and Dame. So how do we feel about that? I see Dame moving up in some people's boards. I think he's been great this season, and the team... I feel like this year, the team has kind of stayed the same throughout the past couple years with him and McCollum. And I mean, even looking at their ages, it's kind of crazy because it feels like they've been there together forever, but both of them are under 30, I think, right? I think Dame's 29 right now. I think they're about, yeah. I'm but, not sure for like 100%. Yeah, but I think it's, I mean, they've been playing great this year. And I think every year we kind of see them play good at this point. And then I feel like some years they kind of fall off towards the end or some years they do a lot better. So it'll be interesting because last year they fought to even get in the playoffs. I think they could maybe, obviously not make it that far, but I think they could definitely get a first round win this year. Yeah, that acquisition of Norman Powell seems to really help them. I think out of the NBA trade deadline deals, that Powell and Trent trade might have been the most fair because, I mean, Trent really fits well in that Raptors team. He fits their timeline, yeah. their post-Kyle Lowry, whatever they're going to do with that. But Norman Powell on a team like Portland that needs a little more scoring to make a viable playoff push, I really like that. It yeah. definitely shows off Dame's passing ability, too, when he can set up Norman Powell in the mid-range, you know, for three, those sort of things. And uh, talk about Jokic. He's, you know, he's my guy all year. I thought, you know, he's been the number one shot for the MVP, in my opinion. All year? Since it started. I mean, I liked him. When Embiid was doing his thing, it was hard not to pick Embiid. I talked about it in an episode. I had Embiid for a little while, but then his injury came kind of soon soon after. And then since then, I've been riding with Jokic. And it's a little boring. I think people like to see MVP stuff switch up all the time. But I think it was consistently Embiid. Now it's consistently Jokic. And with Embiid coming back in like a week, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see. Does he make that push back up? Or with limited minutes, does Jokic ride out the rest of the season as MVP? Yeah, uh, as we're recording this, Embiid will be playing his first game back tonight. So, I mean, I think less than 25 games left, and he's already missed a little less than 10 so far. And I think if he played every single game for the rest of the season, he would be about 48 games played or something like that. And that's if he plays every game. And no MVPs won under 50 games. Yeah, it's weird in in this shortened season. But that being said, Jokic played every game. You know, he's always available. And the Nuggets are looking great with Aaron Gordon. They definitely got a steal in that trade. I know the Magic didn't have much leverage, but Aaron Gordon, I think, with a little more confidence in that Denver system, some good coaching with Mike Malone, and, uh, you know... A really good like creator and Jokic, you know, it makes him look a lot better than he was looking this season. Yeah. And he's living up to what people are saying just so far. It's really early on into that, but I think Nuggets and Aaron Gordon are both really happy. Yeah, I think there were some good trades too. Uh, there wasn't really any giant trades, I feel like. Because, I mean, Aaron Gordon's still a really good player, but I wouldn't say he's like a superstar. But I think there was a lot of good moves for playoff teams getting kind of that fourth or fifth option in their starting lineup. Yeah, which brings us into talking about Oladipo a little. I think he's a perfect example of that. Although, this is a really poor year for him beforehand because, you know, he's stuck in Houston. He lost 20 games with him there. He's stuck in Houston. They're making him do every single thing. I think in Miami, where he gets to take a step back a little, you know, he embraces that role. He's good. 
and you know he had his first game the other day played pretty well and do you think with the heat getting oladipo they make a push into a second round a third round you know i think without him they would have definitely made it to the second round at least but i think with him i don't i think it makes them better but i feel like the team is already so good that it's not going to make a huge impact because i already thought they were going to do good so yeah I mean, last year they made it to the finals. I don't think they're going to make it that far this year because of, I mean, we saw the Sixers come back from injuries, hopefully, at this point. The Bucks kind of just fell apart last year. But I think they could definitely make it far because of how that team is built. That Heat team the past two years really reminds me of the Raptors when they had Kawhi. They have Jimmy Butler there who can really hold it all together, and then they just have a great team that plays together with a great coach. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, this year, individually, Bam's looked way better than Jimmy. Yeah. But once you watch a Heat game, you know yeah. that Heat team without Bam would be, it wouldn't be great, but it would be all right. That Heat team without Jimmy, I think, would fall off a cliff, be, yeah. be horrendous. But yeah, uh, personally, I I really like Oladipo's game. I like him as a dude, too. But I think I he's not one of those guys that in the playoffs will make these clutch moments yeah. and that's no knock on him he's played in indiana indiana's always been one of those like fifth sixth seed teams but most of the teams he's played on he played what nate mcmillan was his coach they got swept every series with nate mcmillan as coach i don't know that for a fact too yeah. and that's no knock on oladipo oladipo played good in those series but it's kind of just shows that he probably won't make the clutch move I think he'll play some clutch defensive stops. I think he'll make the right decision, but he's not going to be the guy that pushes them over the hump. It will be the guy they already have, like you were saying, like Jimmy. Or, I mean, Tyler Hero last year in the playoffs was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, a guy like him would step up too. So, I agree with what you're saying. I think Depot makes them better, but I don't know if it pushes them up over any sort of hump you know yeah. it doesn't i don't think they need him to make those yeah, shots though that's exactly. the thing so i think if he embraces his role then i think he'll be fine but yeah. we could also see him not and then if he doesn't that could definitely clash with someone like jimmy butler but i think if he's fine kind of taking that backseat role but it's also interesting too because he goes from being on indiana being one of the top guys if not well, the top guy depot's been the star on his team his whole career it's, yeah. it's as early as it gets he was in orlando super young he was playing with vucevic vucevic was better but that was before he took that big step up yeah depot was the guy that had taken shots indiana same thing rockets same thing yeah now this is the first time he's really not the guy and he's never he's always been kind of thrown into that position and uh indiana he embraced it a lot more but he's never had necessarily the talent that it takes to be your surefire number one option it just so happens every step of his career he's been in a position where he has been until right now yeah and yeah i i think he's he fits well on that heat team and also i think personality wise i think he'll embrace his role and yeah he's he helps that you know miami got a good player in that yeah i think he was forced into being the best player without really having a say obviously because yeah. if he wasn't the best player if he didn't play like it then those teams gonna, wouldn't even yeah. have been anywhere but i think he'll be fine i think that heat team i think it's a good trade but it doesn't push them any farther than i thought they would go yeah i agree with that uh moving on to the next thing let's talk about the rookie of the year race uh now that mellow's out he's coming back it's gonna not be that long is it oh a fractured yeah. wrist i think I mean, he could be back, like, playoff time, but... Yeah, but with Melo's injury, yeah. it seems like he won't win the Rookie of the Year, I think it's fair to say. And 
I think anyone that watches the NBA would say before injury, he deserved it. You know, he came into the league, said he was going to be good and was good. He, yep. he had that confidence and you could see him when he plays. You know, like when he's shit-talking Compazzo in that Nuggets game. He, he says what he says. He's got the confidence and his game backed it up. But now the rookie of the year race looks a lot different. I think there's two guys that are solid in the top two and that third spot switches around a lot. I think without Lamelo, it's pretty easily uh, Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton as the top two guys. Personally, uh, a huge fan of Halliburton. Going in, I said he'd be the steal of the draft just based off like the two games I saw of him. So I'll admit I got pretty lucky and he seems like he has been the steal of the draft. Yeah. Maybe a guy like quickly just because he fell farther would also fill that yeah. role. But Anthony Edwards, I mean, his defense is awful. He's probably the worst defender in the NBA. But well, Trey Young's still in the NBA. He like statistically, and in the couple games I've watched, I think Anthony Edwards might be the worst defender in the game. Yeah, I mean Trey Young's not good either. But at least you can say he's not super tall. I don't know what Anthony's excuse yeah. is. That being said, that sounds like a lot of shit. I I really do like Anthony Edwards' game though. He I think he just got to put more effort in because he's super athletic. He doesn't even take terrible shots. Yeah, and, I think he just has to work on his shot though a little yeah. bit. You know, and that happens when you play in college. You don't play against super huge competition. But at Georgia, and they're an SEC school, and up until this year, and we even saw March Madness a little, SEC is not really a basketball conference, I'd yeah. say. And, I mean, he comes into the league, he gets put in probably the second worst position anybody could be put in. I mean, I'd say Rockets is the worst. Magic maybe now, but start of the year, not the Magic. Yeah. So, I mean, put in a pretty terrible position. Didn't have Cat for a while either. Yeah. And, you know, it took him a while. He started this year, and he wouldn't be in my top 10 ladder for the first half of the year. But he's coming in now, and I can respect someone that has him as the rookie of the year at this point. Uh, personally, I'm going to go with Halliburton. He he didn't start right away, but I think he takes such a load off of De'Aaron Fox. And that Kings team runs so smoothly. I mean, I'm a big Celtics fan, but just because we're on the East Coast, uh, one thing is that when I'm just up late at night watching games, it's always the West Coast teams on. So I've seen a lot of Kings games. I've seen a lot of Warriors games. And uh, the, it's a lot more fun to watch the Kings than the Warriors. That's what I'm going to say. And we saw just last night, I mean, the Raptors absolutely destroyed that Warriors team. I think, well, it was a 50-something point loss by the end of it. I think 49, I yeah, think. Some, yeah, something along those lines. And it was awful. So, I mean... Yeah, so personally for me, I think without Wiseman, Wiseman being hurt this year, I think he definitely had a good shot with the Warriors, but obviously with him being hurt with LaMelo out, because LaMelo's been my boy since day one. I knew he was going to win Rookie of the Year this year. Him and Embiid had injuries. They should have won MVP and Rookie of the Year. But without them, I think, um, I think Halliburton's a good player. I think he really... I don't think he'll be, like, obviously the top option on a team like the Kings right now, at least. And I can definitely see Anthony Edwards getting up to there because Cats had injuries throughout the whole year. And I just see Anthony Edwards as a guy, I mean, we've seen it, he's dropped 25 points, he's dropped 20 points. He's just a guy that can go out there and drop points. And I think, points-wise, that's really where the race is. I think Halliburton can obviously heat up and hit a bunch of threes in a game. But I think the edge scoring-wise goes to Edwards, and I think both of them... Edwards, I would say he's a decent passer, obviously. I don't think he's the yeah. best passer, but... Halliburton, it, it's funny to me because going into the draft, I'm saying, this guy can play some point guard, you know? 
because everyone's looking at him like a two guard and to be fair he's definitely better at the two guard but when De'Aaron Fox is out of the game and Halliburton's still in it he's the main facilitator I mean off the bench this year the Kings have been running a lot of things they had Corey Joseph they traded him they did a lot of things but it seemed like it worked way better when Fox was out to keep Halliburton in because he facilitated so well got guys like Buddy Heald open you know yeah. Bagley when he was playing good you know he's on and off very hot and cold player but I mean next up <laughs> not a big fan of Marvin Bagley over here but uh I mean yeah it's it's pretty close I think for the people voting on rookie of the year if you really watch all most of their games I think Hal Burton looks better but Edwards definitely shows his force in the stat sheet more yeah and whatever you value more I, I don't even blame anyone because it's really close. They do different things really well. They're yeah. not the same type of player. The only thing they share in common is their position. They really don't do anything else super similar. Yeah, I think they're obviously, it's kind of hard too because most of the time we see a rookie of the year, like this year we saw LaMelo. LaMelo's, I wouldn't say, I mean, like media wise, he's a superstar. Obviously, he's not a superstar player at this point, but he was. He's one of the better point guards yeah. in the league. I so, think it's fair to say. I think right now, without having two, without having like that kind of star guy, it's kind of hard to compare them because they're so close. But I think over the next couple weeks, we'll definitely see someone push. It feels a lot like the year where Malcolm Brogdon won it. Brogdon was playing, you know, really good for a rookie, but he didn't. He didn't have like flashes of stardom. He didn't have yeah. like anything crazy going on. But I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a great point guard right now. So I think there's things to be say said for not necessarily flashing but staying yeah. consistent i think halliburton and edwards as of recently it took edwards a minute but now edwards and halliburton are both super consistent game by game and i mean if it's a sign for their career in general it's really good but a guy like lamello i mean if he was healthy he was consistently really good yeah. so he had the edge but you know injury you know can't predict that yeah i think uh going into the playoffs i think Obviously, they're not the top players on their team, but impact-wise, since both of them are both teams are so close, fighting for a playoff spot, I think whichever team, because one team could definitely miss the playoffs, whichever team either gets in the playoffs, Timberwolves or, aren't making the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, well. I'll say it right now: the Timberwolves won't. But I mean, yeah, I mean Halliburton it plays nice down the stretch. The Kings in that playoff play-in tournament, yeah, it could be cool. I don't see either of them making the playoffs, which is also a shame for Rookie of the Year because, yeah. you know, usually you'd like to see a guy who helps his team make the playoffs. I don't think you get that this year. There's no really, as much as other years, not really any rookies shining on. Yeah, I think you teams. could put quickly in there, yeah. but that team is, that team's good, but not necessarily because of him. Yeah. They have a lot of point guards too. I think uh, the Knicks trading for Derrick Rose was a good decision for their part. But if you were investing stock into Emmanuel quickly, it really hurt him. Yeah. Because he was the main ball handler off the bench. But now that you have a surefire guy like D. Rose, it allows quickly to get opportunities other places. Yeah. But it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He has the ball in his hands less. You know, he's got the best floater. Maybe he's got one of the best floaters in the NBA for sure. Definitely the best out of rookies. So, I mean, this thing, the novelty things that he does that really help a team, really good at those. Yeah. And then those are the top three. I don't remember who was number five. I know four was my boy Jay Sean Tate. Uh, I really like Jay Sean Tate's game, but he is no, he will not win Rookie of the Year. I, I think he's a good player, but he's in a position where he gets to shoot any shot he wants on that Rockets team. 
and he gets the ball in his hands more than he should for his draft position. So, I mean, good player and all, but yeah, I think those top three. I think the top two are a lot closer, but I think that's a very solidified top three, if I had to say. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we'll see someone make a push, but I can't really, I don't think there's anyone that's going to challenge any of those guys. Yeah. All right, so moving on from the, you know, the players, we're going to shift our attention to one certain player who has a name in the headline. And, you know, now once I say this, you'll know who it is, but also a certain uh, actor, broadcaster, social media personality. Uh, Kevin Durant, Michael Rappaport. uh, They had a little feud on Instagram a while back. Uh, Michael Rappaport posted the screenshots recently, though. And Kevin Durant was fined, what, $50,000? Yes. And, uh, yeah, we're going to touch, we're just going to talk about it for a little, uh, our opinions, I guess. Yeah, there's not really a right answer in this. Yeah, we're not going to, when we talk about the games themselves, I think we look to be validated. We hope we're right. In this, it's more of an opinion thing. We don't do this often, but, you know, big news. One of the best players in basketball gets a big fine. So, I mean, you want to start off? Yeah, um, I mean, starting this off, we have Kevin Durant, who's one of the best basketball players in the NBA, and then some random clown (laughs) who uh, is trying to talk to him. I mean, the whole thing started because Kevin Durant didn't really want to do an interview, and then um, recently we saw the Barstool Sports president, um, he released some footage uh, because him and Michael Rappaport had a little issue going on because Rappaport left the company, or was fired yeah. or something like that and then they published a t-shirt with him with um herpes on his face <laughs> and then he got upset about that so then recently he put the video out of him like absolutely destroying michael rapaport's lawyer and then kevin durant responded saying how uh yeah just talking to him about how he didn't really like him too much and then michael rapaport decided to post this on instagram for some reason because apparently he's uh, too scared to confront Kevin Durant, which doesn't surprise me because he just doesn't seem like someone to do that. So. I'd be scared as hell to confront Kevin Durant. Yeah. But, I mean, so it kind of gets to a point where, although I I understand and I am not a fan of some of the things Kevin Durant said, I think, I I mean, I the quote the ESPN headlines, you know, a little bit misogynistic for sure, you know, derogatory, you know, Whatever you want to use, I obviously uh, it's a heat of the moment thing. I think Kevin Durant, you know, if he spent like 24 hours looking at that message, probably would have said something a little more concise and not offensive. Yeah. That being said, Kevin Durant may, may be at fault for his word choice. He's not at fault for the situation. I think Rap Report is someone who looks for attention. And yes. when he gets that attention, he thrives off it, and he start. I, you know, he says some funny stuff. You know, he gets people relating to him. He, you know, gets people liking his posts, commenting. You know, when he gets that attention, he's not necessarily saying super outlandish stuff. But when he doesn't get the attention that he like strives for so much, he gets angry. He starts going off, and he's just unreasonable as a person. Uh, he he was a decently successful actor and that doesn't translate well with you know real world issues with real people you yeah. can't act your way out of it 
and he was doing really well when Trump was in office. He'd post long rant, not long, but maybe like three, four minute rants on his Instagram talking, you know, indisputable what Trump did all the time. And, you know, that's fine. You you can have your opinion on that. You know, I, I'd see those videos personally. I wouldn't disagree too much with some of the stuff. I disagree a lot with others. You know, he was kind of all over the place. And now that uh, Trump's out of office, uh, he doesn't disagree with Biden as much, I see, because he doesn't post anything. He got all his clout from dissing Trump. And dissing Trump is fine. You know, liking Trump is fine. Do whatever you want. But when you receive all of your attention from one thing... And that's and now, gone. Yeah, now the one thing that you talk about isn't there anymore. You start to fall off. You start to catch L's. And you, the second he got attention from Kevin Durant... Because Kevin Durant one of the best basketball players I've seen in my lifetime. He gets really sensitive sometimes. So Michael Rappaport's getting attention from someone that's a million times, you know, more successful, more famous, more money, you know. He's so much higher up than Michael Rappaport in pretty much every aspect of life. So when Michael Rappaport has this guy's attention, he's gonna say some stupid stuff. He's gonna get them all riled up and then he's gonna post the screenshots on Instagram and act like a victim. Yeah. And you know, do I think Durant's in the wrong because he responded poorly and shouldn't have even responded at all because who's Michael Rappaport? That's what a lot of people say. I, I don't even know him from, you know, a basketball perspective. I don't think anyone does. So, I mean, I believe Kevin Durant shouldn't have responded. And, you know, when he did, he probably could have cho chosen his words better, you know, not offended some people. Personally, you know, I think a lot of people would respond that way and you know I, I i think kevin durant wins this one if there's a win or a lose i think yeah. rap report just seeks for attention he doesn't get it and kevin durant responded accordingly yeah i think this an instagram direct message i think if they were face to face he would have said the same exact thing and i think michael Rappaport would have said nothing that yeah. he said and also yeah. Rappaport posting the instagram messages um, he could have cut stuff out. He could yeah. have deleted posts or uh, deleted messages. And I think the NBA, I think, I don't think anyone was really upset about Durant getting fined. I think some of them maybe because they said it was like soft or whatever. But I mean, for a guy um, like Myers Leonard to get fined, I think you obviously have to find Kevin Durant too yeah. because of his word choice. But I think overall, I think it just... I don't know. It's a weird situation for Kevin Durant to be in because this happens like all the time. I'm sure there's probably messages, not with him, but messages with athletes and yeah. social media people that go back and forth all the time. But for someone to like publish it, it's just like, I don't know. It just, yeah. I don't know. I personally like my go-to rule of thumb. I don't think it's fair to ever share your private messages with someone unless there's someone that's you know being harmed or like it's direly important for someone's safety or well-being to publish the messages or if it's something that nobody would get mad at seeing public you know yeah i think this was a man-to-man -man issue that turned into a social media feud which isn't what i think durant wanted it to be rap report wants that because that's where he gets all his attention but yeah. i think durant really wanted to talk to this guy face to face he said he did send him the was. address he told him where yeah. he was and, and rap report posts on instagram because yeah. he's uh too scared of yeah. kevin durant so. and i mean yeah like i said i'd be scared of kevin durant too 
but I, I'd be scared to say anything to him either. You know, yeah. this dude, he, he might be skinny, but you know, he's got that like seven yeah, he's foot a big guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, speaking from experience, facts. He's a big guy. <laughs> ben got the OG picture of Kevin Durant. Yeah, not in a weird way. Well, like in the Bahamas. Yeah, but don't take that out of context. Yeah, don't clip that, please. Yeah, so I mean, overall, it just I I don't like Michael Rappaport, and this didn't make me like him anymore. I just think he's an absolute. Um, I don't know how to keep this PG, but uh, he's just a scared person. Yeah, I mean. He didn't get. I, I think he posted this hoping he'd get some sympathy and some people. Yeah. He posted it hoping people would clown on Durant, and people only clowned on him. You go in his own Instagram comment section and people are clowning him. This didn't work out how he wanted it. He had fallen off from where he was because you know he was decently popular for a minute. But and then he recently felt, he apologized. So yeah. I I think that really wraps it up. But yeah. And, all right, so I'm, let's just move on to the next thing. We're pretty much out of the NBA talk now. Let's go to the UFC. I don't know much about the UFC, but this is Banning's expertise when it comes to, you know, the stuff that's not the NFL or the NBA or college sort of stuff. So, I mean, I just want to hear what you got to say about the UFC in general, stuff that's going on. Yeah, so recent, last week when we recorded our podcast, we recorded it right before um, the big fight card. Um, Francis Ngannou won the championship, so, I mean... Fighting in the, their second fight, he got a nice knockout. And then right now, he's the champion, so obviously he's got a lot of attention on him, so he has to call someone out. And uh, John Jones, who some people... I think a lot of people, when you say the name, a lot of people know who he is just because... John Bones Jones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has... I mean, he's been suspended for 15 months at one point he's been suspended for a bunch of different things but now he's kind of trying to get back into the spotlight some people say he's the greatest ufc fighter ever including dana white he also said that he says a lot of things too so he also said habib was the best two weeks before but you know john jones has to fight soon so he's got to say that but i think this would be a great fight just because you have two guys obviously both fighting the same weight class but if you put a picture up of the two guys, like there's yeah. just a giant difference. Like Nganu, when you saw him fight last week, he's just like massive. Yeah, he looks like an animal out there. He's crazy. I think, I mean, it's a good fight just because you have a guy that's, I mean, he's older, but he has the championship. And then against a guy who is probably one of the best ever with only one loss on his uh, record, but they're trying to, he lost in, um, he got disqualified in like they wipe it from his record yeah, yeah so i mean basically undefeated at this point but i think this is a great fight for the sport because you have a guy that everyone knows versus the champion so i mean that always goes down well especially if they're great fighters and with fights like uh logan paul and floyd mayweather uh coming up recently i think this is finally a fight for like real fight fans to look at and say, oh, now we finally get a big box office thing that's not McGregor, that's not Habib fighting someone yeah. random. Like, these are two big name guys fighting against each other for a championship. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm with that. I like the idea that you get someone that has pretty much a perfect record versus the guy on top right now, you know. Those are always the best kind of fights. Someone you know is good versus someone that just proved they're good. It's interesting. Also, I mean, looking at the notes right now, McGregor signed a three-fight deal for his legacy. You know, 
just break that down for people that don't really understand, including me. <laughs> yeah, so McGregor just uh, a couple months ago, he lost in uh, the rematch, and some people were kind of upset at McGregor because they thought he came out flat. He kind of just did it for the money. So now for them to finally have like their third fight, both of them having a win, I think this is a really big like thing for McGregor. Winner because, takes all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but not even just that, just for McGregor. Like, if he was fighting a huge name, and let's say he was fighting in a three-fight trilogy and lost, I mean, obviously, like, all the fighters are good, but, like, if he was fighting, like, Habib and then lost in the third fight, that wouldn't be too bad for him. But for him to... If, I think if he loses this next fight, he's retired like eight times, but I think this is really it if he loses again, because last fight we saw him lose in the second round and he just didn't even look like he wanted to be there. So I think it's just a case of like, I mean, if you lose this, you're done. If you win it, he could be back in the championship talk, especially with Habib retiring. So that belt's yeah. free right now. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. I mean. I mean, to most very casual UFC fans, McGregor's a big name out there. You know, a lot of people back him. He's got a whole country behind him. You know, whenever he's fighting in general, people know about it. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, we're going to transition into the NFL. But before we do that, uh, I just want to go on a little random side note. Uh, just shout out the, a female athlete that showed her stuff. I mean, Paige Beckers won National Player of the Year for women's basketball. So, I, I mean, just shout out to that. And... Uh, just quick note, the WNBA's got to change their rules. There's no way she shouldn't be in the league by now. She'd be one of the best players in the WNBA. She showed out like crazy. They lost, but she's the most excited, exciting female I've seen in college sports in a long time. So, I mean, shout out to her. Yeah, and we also saw Luca Garza win. Yeah. Um, I think he was a great player. I think Cade Cunningham was also good. So, yeah. I think every year you kind of always have those top two guys, and then one of them gets it. And then we also saw Roy Williams retire, yeah. and uh, it's official, I guess, yeah, because we saw it happen Fools. on April Fool's Day, which most of the time, you're not really sure about that. You'll but, see the next morning, you post something, and there's Jordan saying he's, you know, he's still yeah. there. Yeah. But I think, um, obviously, one of the best coaches um, in, I would say, basketball history. Yeah. And for being there that long, winning championships, uh, you can't really knock him at all. Yeah, I mean, whether you, I mean, that's coming from a Duke fan too, you know, whether you like him or not, Roy Williams, legendary coach, he changed the sport in a way. He, his, he'll be in books when, you know, you look in 50 years and you say, who are the guys that shaped college basketball as we know it? Yeah. In that coaches section, you'll see a guy like Roy Williams. Yeah, I think these past, the coaches in the past, I would say even you go back the past 20 30 years the guys coach k calipari. calipari those these three big guys we could definitely see calipari and coach k retire soon yeah so i yeah. think the game is kind of just moving towards younger coaches we see that in the nfl too but a lot of these younger coaches coming in and even old players too are coming in which is i think it's good to see because most of the time we see these big players that become coaches and they're not great but then you see the guys like one person i think will be an amazing coach is rondo oh, he's yeah. obviously been like i don't think he's ever been really that superstar player but he's always been great and i think he knows so much about the game that he would be an amazing coach well in that college level too you see a lot of guys that are proving they're really solid coaches that were former players right now we have guys like Jawan howard at michigan I mean, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown and Penny Hardaway at Memphis. Yeah. Those three guys, I think Jawan Howard's the best out of the three. Yeah. But I think all three of them are really respectable. 
and what they don't show in coaching, they show in recruitment. People yeah. want to play with Penny really bad. That Memphis school, they just had their five-star point guard transfer, so that's a little bit of a shame for them. Yeah. A lot of transfers going on in the NCAA, too. We're probably going to talk about that in the next episode because they're just starting to move around right now. But Boogie Ellis from Memphis, he's gone now. But well, we also saw Wiseman go there, too. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, he risked a lot to go there, yeah. too, and not even play. But still, I think it, I think it's great to see older players. Oshawa was there, too, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think Ochoa and Wiseman was the front court. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Wiseman only got to play one game, but he wanted to go there. And I think it's great just to see new guys come up, too. Obviously, it's sad to see the older guys retire, these legends. But I think it's great to see the new coaches coming in, especially under them. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if, I'm a, if I were a five-star point guard, it'd be really hard to persuade me not to want to have Penny Hardaway as my coach. Yeah. So I totally understand why guys want to go there. Uh, yeah, so that being said, now we can actually move on to the NFL. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about, you know, we're the two draft guys out of three on the podcast, but two of the okay. biggest draft guys around, for sure. And we break this down all the time, but I think officially people are starting to recognize Zach Wilson as the two guy. We've been yeah. saying it, but... Since day one. But experts really understand now. Yeah, I think part of it is because people have been saying it for a while, but everyone's been saying it now. So for the people that, obviously the experts say it, and then the people who read it, they say, oh, Zach Wilson's going too. And I think we finally got to the point where the people who don't watch the draft know Zach Wilson's going yeah. too, which it, kind of solidifies The it. mainstream football fans that watch a couple of their favorite teams game, they understand now that Zach Wilson's yeah. the two guy. But you know, draft experts, guys like us that just pay a lot of attention to it as well, and we've kind of known. Yeah. But So that really brings it down to the next three. You guys, for the most part, know our opinions, but I think it's important for us to actually break down the differences yeah. of these three quarterbacks. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Justin Fields, I'm talking about Trey Lance, I'm talking about Mac Jones. So, I mean, if you've listened to any of our draft stuff, you know you know, we don't like Mac Jones, we both like Trey Lance, and I like Justin Fields a little more than Banning. Yeah, I but, think the reason why we want to talk about this now, um, we've talked about it before, but with... Zach Wilson obviously being penned in and the Jaguars saying that, yeah, I think we'll take Trevor Lawrence now because that was a report a couple weeks ago that they're really going to go for him now. They edited on their social media page, they said the man of the next wave and they didn't even cut out his hair or his nose. Yeah, so, and then the 49ers trading up. I mean, I think we're all thinking that the 49ers are going to draft someone, a quarterback, and even if they don't, the Falcons are left. So we're either going to see one of these three guys go with the third pick or the fourth pick we could definitely see both two guys go there so i think from the 49ers perspective right now it's kind of just interesting for us to talk like what would we do right now if we were kyle shanahan if we were i don't know if he also does gm for the niners but if not he definitely has say in that yeah exactly so i mean if we're shanahan what are we looking at and i think we've seen enough of their games where we can actually break down the reason why you'll see people talk all the time i like this guy more i think he'll do better but actually I think someone, so I mean, let's start with, you know, let's just start with Trey Lance. What's something, let's just talk about what we like about him first, I think. What I like about Trey Lance is I like his ability to move around in the pocket. Everyone likes guys that can move outside the numbers and everything, but I think Trey Lance has enough confidence and enough, he uses his legs in a way where he's not scrambling and running around. Like, I like Kyler Murray, but a guy like Kyler Murray is pretty happy to get outside the numbers sometimes. Yeah. 
Trey Lance moves around so well that he can stay inside those numbers, stay in that pocket, but still evade defenders. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't get to see much of his game because NDSU, you know, he's a, at an FCS school. They didn't play this year. and we didn't He get only had one full season. Yeah, exactly. But in that one season, I saw a lot of that, and I really like that about him. Yeah, I think one of the smaller things that I was looking at um, he's great at setting his feet. Obviously, in college, the way that they play, they only really have a five-step drop instead of seven, which we see a lot in the NFL. But he's great at setting his feet. And for being able to run around the pocket and then setting your feet, that, I think that's, that's huge. The big thing. He, and, yeah. He makes guys miss, but then he gets himself set up to make the right pass. That yeah, That's a great way to expand on that because that's why I feel like it's so successful for his yeah, mobility. Yeah, I think the... He's also not scared to get hit, which is great, but I think the best part of his game is his play action. I mean, oh, if you yeah. go into watch the highlights, like we see Zach Wilson, we see Justin Fields. Obviously, a lot of colleges like to run play action, but they built that offense around him running play action. He's, exactly. I would say, probably the best quarterback over Trevor Lawrence in play action-wise in this yeah. draft. Yeah, well, that's a great thing. We saw Carson Wentz have the same ability. Yeah. That's That comes to a point where you applaud North Dakota State because... They built that run game so, so heavily and then brought in a great prospect like Wentz, a great prospect like Lance, and they run the play action so well. And once they run that play action, I mean, they're just looking at open receivers just all day down the field. And that's an ability that's coached up by North Dakota State that a guy like Lance caught on to so well. It definitely makes him a great prospect so, I mean, shout out to North Dakota State and shout out to Lance for picking up on that so well. Yeah, I think, I mean, overall for me, I definitely compare him a lot to Josh Allen. A little smaller, um, at least height-wise, but, I mean, he's not scared to get hit. And his accuracy downfield, I think we saw Josh Allen kind of struggle with that. We definitely, we know Josh Allen had like a cannon, obviously, going in, but... They both have strong arms. I would obviously Josh Allen's is a lot stronger, but I think Trey Lance he has great short and mid accuracy, but downfield he kind of struggles a bit. Yeah. But I mean, I would say they're very similar players, and I think Trey Lance, if you give him a year to sit down, especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense where they already run a good amount of play action, I think this would be like the perfect fit for the 49ers. That Shanahan offense is is really it's awesome because. They don't have that star running back, yeah. but their run game is almost unstoppable. And that comes from great offensive line play and really good coaching at yeah. the end of the day. Uh, I mean, moving on to the next guy, I think I'm basically just going in the order of where we think they'll fall in the draft. So next up, Justin Fields. Uh, Fields, I mean, when you think about him, you think, man, this guy competes. And, you know, not to overshadow his actual playing abilities, but he's really tough. He will always fight for that first down. And that's what you see when I when I watch him. I mean, this guy's going for the first down at all costs. And we see him getting hurt in some big games sometimes. You know, really just the one. But, you, you know, that really shows a lot of how he plays. And also, I like, I think his accuracy is a little bit of an underrated part of his game. I don't necessarily love it in the short. Because, like, he has decent short accuracy. But I think his deep accuracy is really underrated. I think he finds the guys. And I think you get this guy on your team, and he's probably more ready to go right away. He's played. Yeah. You can't knock his competition. He has played against the best teams in college football. You know, not an SEC quarterback, but he's played against those teams. Yeah. So 
unlike Trey Lance, where, you know, he showed his talent, you know, some people may hesitate because he hasn't showed it against Alabama or Clemson. Yeah. But so that's definitely big, you know, a plus on his report card for Justin Fields. I would say Justin Fields, if you put him against Kyler Murray, he's in that draft class, I would say he's number one overall. But I still think, I mean, looking at him play versus Trey Lance, you don't realize that Justin Fields is the same size. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that it's not bad for him, but I guess it's not good at the same time. I feel like when you watch him, he kind of plays like someone like Kyler Murray. He plays a bit small. That is one thing you see. Trey Lance plays like a Patrick Mahomes guy. Yeah. And size-wise. Don't don't get me started on the... (laughs) I'm not going to be that one guy. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean... He plays a little small, but he'll also he'll fight too. Yeah. So I think my comparison for him is someone like Dak Prescott. I think he's a lot. I would say Dak Prescott was pretty mobile, and he still is. I think he's a little more mobile than Dak Prescott. But like when he's in the pocket, I would definitely put him like someone like Dak Prescott. Some things that I'm not huge on him though. I think he forces the big play too much. But that might also be because of the system that he was in, Ohio State. Uh, they really like the big plays. They want quarterbacks that force the big play yeah so i don't know if that's really a knock on him too much but kind of just where he was and i think the biggest uh knock on him for me is most of the time when you see him uh he locks onto his first read so when he goes out there and if the player's not open sometimes he gets sacked sometimes he tries to scramble out sometimes he does get the first down but when he doesn't especially in the nfl you can't lock onto that first read and be very successful like in ohio state if they're playing against i mean they're playing against like the bottom big 10 teams like northwestern or whatever you can you have someone like you have your top receiver against their best cornerback obviously your receiver is going to beat him so he'll be there yeah, I think a lot of the things Fields needs to improve on is stuff that can be coached by yeah. an NFL, you know, not a fellow quarterback coach. And, you know, if Justin Fields embraces it, then, hey, uh, all props to him. Yeah. He, he's got potential, for sure. I think Fields, at this point, is the better quarterback, but I think Lance has he's, a lot more potential. He's raw. Yeah. yeah. And so moving on to the next guy, uh, Mac Jones. Uh, me and Bannon clown him a lot, just to be straight up about it. I don't think he deserves to be a first-round quarterback. I know he will be, and I know he'll probably be higher up than I think he should be. I think I think he's really high up on draft boards based on teams' needs, and people don't pay attention to his actual skill that much. Yeah. And he was in a really good position in Alabama. He got the chance to be the starting quarterback, and good for him because I mean, he definitely deserved to be a starter there but he didn't necessarily do anything that wowed me his stats were very good he won the big games you know national champions but I I didn't see anything there that really made me say wow or anything it's really all the other players made me say wow because I mean with a guy like Mac Jones at quarterback you see Devontae uh, Devonte Smith go and jumping high point the football yeah and that when I see a receiver make a great catch and it's a 60-yard touchdown and the stat sheet that's one touchdown plus 60 yards for the quarterback. Yeah, you don't but, say wow. Yeah, what a throw by Mac Jones. I, I I watch Alabama games and I don't I say a lot of wow. What a great catch from Smith. What a great catch from Waddle. I don't look and say wow. What a great pass from Jones. Really. Yeah. And you know I when I was watching the 
uh, I was watching the Tennessee versus Alabama game, like probably like third week of the college football season, and that was the uh, week where Waddle got hurt on the opening kickoff, which sucked. But now overall, I saw the game and all. The only person that wowed me there was Najee Harris. That was before Smith took his big jump. Yeah. And Mac Jones wasn't giving Smith a shot in that game. That was really Najee Harris's week. And I think when you get outshined by your two best receivers and your running back. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you're a bad quarterback. You're playing for the best school in the nation and playing and you know doing what you have to do. But the truth is he's going to come to an NFL team that's probably not that good. And you're going to need to be a little more than that, in my opinion. Yeah. I think since the college football season has ended, my opinion on him hasn't changed. He's a second-round talent. I would say him and a guy like uh, Kyle Trask are very similar. I think he's... You, I would say Kyle Trask is probably like a third-round prospect. Um, who who knows? He might even be in the second round because of needs. But yeah. I think Mac Jones hasn't moved up in my board. I think he's moved up in people's boards because people are saying he should. The narrative on him moving up is that he is going he could possibly be a top three quarterback and if he goes to the 49ers i think this will be the worst pick draft pick in nfl history i'm like no joke i think this will be completely terrible i think he goes into that system and he loses i mean i would say debatably the best running back in college football last year and two well i would say probably the two best receivers that played last year yeah easily the two best that played last year and then you're i mean obviously kyle shanahan's a great coach but he doesn't even work with yeah, yeah he doesn't even fit in their system because mac jones he would go in and he would stand there in the pocket he would look and he would underthrow the ball half the time and then Devonte smith would jump up and get it yeah. and under throwing a ball that's why Devonte smith like they're like oh yeah he's great high pointing the ball because the ball was thrown so high to him all the time yeah. if it was thrown to him nicely then i mean and that wouldn't even be on his draft report you see all these athletic toe tapping catches from smith and it's like you actually watch the full play and he was open for three yards before he got ran out of bounds by the defender and had to toe tap it in yeah it you know I don't think Jones is necessarily a, a surefire bust. I think Jones could come in and be all right. I don't think on a team like San Francisco, that's really just a quarterback away, Matt Jones doesn't strike me as the guy that does it. He would probably do worse than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done very good, but he hasn't been necessarily horrendous. You know, he's, he's been closer to the bottom, but not necessarily yeah. the worst in the NFL or anything. I don't think Mac Jones comes in and pushes the edge. I think a guy like Fields and Lance, given a year or two, their guys yeah. will come in and you're like, wow, they, they could really push the Niners to a championship. Jones doesn't do that for me. Jones is a really good filler quarterback until you have a chance to sign or draft a really good one. Yeah, I would say you could definitely compare him to someone like Nick Foles. Yeah. And Nick Foles was good. It gives me crazy Case Keenum vibes. Yeah, I would say definitely someone like Case Keenum. And, I mean, those guys are both NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. They're good. And but they, for Mac Jones to be a top three, I mean, at this point, if the Patriots stay at 15, I think he's guaranteed to be a top 15 quarterback. Yeah. The thing with, uh, you know, a guy like Keenum or Foles is they'll have their moments. And they'll be like, man, you know, we should, they should really put some more effort into Keenum or Foles. And they're both really good down the stretch quarterbacks I could see a guy like Mac Jones having his big moments of people saying like man everyone was hating on him you know people love the Tom Brady comparison the problem is people love it so much we forget Tom Brady was 199 and they're trying to throw Mac Jones a pick three 
Like, yeah, he plays a lot like rookie Tom Brady. Rookie Tom Brady was a six-rounder that played like it. You know, he, he was clutch, but even his rookie year, Tom Brady wasn't all of that necessarily. He really grew in the off-seasons and through his career. And he doesn't, he doesn't even play that much like Tom Brady. People hate, you know, I got hated on in like Instagram comment sections for that. He doesn't play like Tom Brady. It's just Tom Brady was slow and there's that one picture of Mac Jones where he looks fat. That's really it. I mean, they both don't look athletic. That does yeah. not mean he's as talented as Brady. Brady's not athletic at all in the slightest. He's a great athlete, but yeah. but <laughs> I'll leave that in. But he's a great athlete, but he's not, you know, a super athletic guy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And Mac Jones is also not a super athletic guy, but he's he, also not he, athletic. He, he doesn't have right now the mindset. Yeah. or the ability to reason a Tom Brady comparison. I think the comparison with these guys, everyone used to say, oh, Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Tom Brady was the system. Mac Jones is a, a system, system quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. If you put him, I would say you put him on the Chiefs, he's going to be a good quarterback. Oh, yeah. But the difference is, like, if you put him on the Chiefs and you put Mahomes on the Chiefs, there's a big difference in those teams. You had Tua with basically the same team, and then... Tua shows you so much more. If you're gonna, you're really gonna have Mac Jones go yeah. at three and Tua go at five, even though Tua really showed you something. I think obviously Tua wasn't like the. I think Mac Jones is still a decent quarterback. Like a second round quarterback isn't bad. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't think he's a bad prospect. I just don't think he's a top thirty prospect. I just he doesn't have that. There's just nothing that shows me that this guy is a first-round quarterback. Yeah, he just he looks just like any other quarterback. He looks like a Jamie Newman. He looks like He a looks Kyle like Krasner. an SEC yeah. quarterback. Yeah, exactly. He's like the definition of an SEC He's quarterback. He's no Jarrett Garantano or anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. Shout out Northwestern. <laughs> or not Washington State, my bad. <laughs> but, you know, he's not a bad SEC quarterback. He was a good SEC quarterback. I... A lot of times you see that not translate to a good well, NFL we, quarterback. I mean, good SEC, one of the best SEC quarterbacks of all time played for Georgia, Aaron Murray, probably my favorite football <laughs> player, and he got drafted by the Chiefs, and now he's an analyst. Yeah, there's guys that turn out like Aaron Murray. There's guys that turn out like Peyton Manning. I see Mac Jones, not maybe not being Aaron Murray, but not touching. Peyton I think Manning. he could definitely be a good yeah. backup or yeah. bridge quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean... I don't know. I I think he's definitely similar to Kyle Trask. I think he's better than Kyle Trask. But if you're a quarter, if you're a team in the first round and you draft Mac Jones, and it's if I would say the Patriots would be fine drafting him at 15. I think 15's a good spot to get him. Anything after that's obviously fine. But if he goes in the top 10, I think that's completely terrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about the quarterbacks. Let's talk about the receivers now. So I think the top three for pretty much everyone is Chase Smith Waddle. But also a guy like Kyle Pitts, versatile weapon. He also plays a lot of receiver. So, I mean, let's not, let's not go super deep into this. How would you rank the top three? Without Kyle Pitts? Yeah, no Pitts. Just I would say... I would say you probably... Chase has always been my guy. Yeah. I think... The second I watched him a good amount, but the second that I watched him play in that championship game, I knew this guy's gonna be a top ten receiver yeah. within 
by the time he gets to the NFL. And I think he's really comparable to a guy like Justin Jefferson. Um, but I think you obviously have him at one. And I would still put Waddle at two. I think Smith had a good year. But I would say those guys are actually really close in my mind. They both, I think Smith, people are saying he's kind of undersized. But, I mean, if you can get open, it doesn't matter, there, it doesn't matter how big you are. Because yeah. it's not like he's going to get cracked by a 250-pound linebacker. He's, the only people that are going to catch him are safeties. Or the, yeah, or the cornerbacks. Yeah. And who Cam Chancellor's not there to pop him. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't really be too worried about his size at this point. Yeah, I agree for the most part. Uh, my opinions, uh, I have Chase as number one. My opinions on Waddle and Smith change all of the time. It yeah. really depends what I see. As of right now today, I probably have Smith with the slight edge just because I'm looking at his college season and I didn't realize how insane it was until I really looked back at it. That being said, I, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I, I think that's a two-way, two-B, and I don't even know which one is which at this point. I, I agree. It's really close. Now... What we really want to get into is pretend Kyle Pitts is not listed as a tight end. He's a receiver. Where do you put him in? Who does he fit in over? Now it's just, what spot would he be at in your top three? I think uh, a little bit of a hot take. If I would say if you have Smith and Waddle, I think personally, I would probably have them also at 2A and 2B. I would put Pitts at 1A and 1B with Smith or with uh, Chase. I think he's, like, ever since I saw him first play, I thought, obviously, he stood out a lot. But especially in his pro day, he looked like he was already an NFL player. And, I mean, obviously, he was in college for a bit, so he's big. But he knows how to use his size. And we saw how, like, athletic he is. And for him to be putting up those numbers in the 40-yard dash, which is a little controversial this year because everyone's running under a 4-4 apparently. But for him to getting like, I think one of the most underrated aspects is you look at the broad jump and the vertical jump. In the NBA, we see the vertical jump. Oh yeah, they can dunk. But in the NFL, I believe he was what, 36 inches for, like that's amazing for a guy that big. It's just crazy. I think he, him and Chase, if depending on, I think wherever they go, they will be, an amazing player and I definitely could see Pitts being the way the NFL is set up right now I think Pitts will naturally be a top five tight end just because um like it's not his, a super deep position yeah. necessarily and he's gonna play like a receiver but I think he could definitely like in a couple years you could definitely put Kelsey Kittle and Pitts yeah. be those top three tight ends right there yeah so I mean you came up with the hot take I my take's hotter I think he's number one I like I really like Chase I like his game I think Pitts is just, I mean, I guess I'll just get straight to the point. I think he's the second best prospect in the whole draft. Just straight up. I think Lawrence, generational type quarterback. Yeah. And it's boring to always say Trevor Lawrence. That's, we always say his name. He's number one. Not, yeah. In my opinion. I think no, yeah, no not, question yeah. at all. I think Pitts is the second best player in this draft just based on pure talent. I don't. He might not be the most impactful because of his position as a tight end slash wide receiver, but the fact that someone that big can just be a wide receiver on some downs and other downs be a tight end. Another downs, I swear to God, it's like a right tackle. Yeah. So it's insane how talented he is. And I think his catching ability is somewhat similar to Chase. His route running is a little worse because he's a little slower. Yeah, and he's a bigger yeah. tight end too. So yeah. you don't really, I don't wouldn't really knock him too much on yeah. that, but yeah. So, I mean, Chase obviously has some things on Kyle Pitts. It's, yeah. not, it's not 
a complete blow, uh, blow away. But like Kyle Pitts is just so great to me. I have him as the number one guy. I'd go, I'd go Pitts, Chase, and then that Smith Waddle changes every day sort of thing. Yeah, I think I agree with you too. I would say you have Trevor Lawrence, and then I think Pitts in a big board. I would put Pitts over. I'd say the next closest guy you would probably have Chase and Wilson. I would put Pitts definitely number two. Yeah, I think it'll be. Kind of like last year, we saw Joe Burrow and Chase Young. I think, obviously, we knew that Joe Burrow, the quarterback, always gets the edge. But I think, uh, like, Chase Young, we knew he was the better player. I think Kyle Pitts is obviously, like, the better football player than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I don't... I See, yeah. I, th- I think it's closer than Burrow and Chase Young, to be honest. I really thought Chase Young was better than Burrow. And yeah. I still... It's so I think, hard to yeah, say I think that. the I think yeah. you always have to put that quarterback over him but i think lawrence is a better prospect than burrow that's not yeah, a super yeah. hot take but it's just saying but i you know i think i would chase young is better prospect than kyle pitts possibly in a weird way yeah i think yeah. chase young is better but i think kyle pitts like he we know so yeah, much i think after this especially if the 49ers and the falcons both go with that pick yeah i think the reason you, yeah i don't know people you'll see in that comment section about kyle pitts because of you know YouTubers, you always see the versatile weapon stuff, and it's funny, and I say it every time we talk about him because force yeah. of habit at this point. People don't say it just because he's not just one of those people that gets hyped up and are like always oh, versatile. Oh, you know, he he does everything. Yeah, you hear that stuff about like like wide receivers that can throw a football. Kyle Pitts can legitimately be a starter at, <laughs> at a couple positions. He could play boundary, or not boundary, sorry. He could play outside receiver, he could play slot, he could play tight end. And if you really need a guy to block, he'll do it and he'll do it well. So, I mean, he he just does everything. I think the one, the tiny issue that I've seen come up is his blocking a little bit. Yeah. Because when you're that good at catching the ball, like, I, especially with receivers now in the NFL, when you're that good at catching the ball, and you have a route to go out, and then the next play you're supposed to block. He doesn't lock in on the block. Yeah. Enough. When he gets his block, he does it well, but I agree. Yeah. Especially in these offenses where it's like, all right, hold up for like two seconds, and if there's no one to block, go run an in route or something yeah. like that. Especially for like a run-heavy team. But yeah. I don't think he's going to go there, so I don't really yeah. have that as an issue. But he'll like he'll do the thing where it's like, all right, hold up for two seconds, block if he shows up. If not, run. He'll yeah. kind of do those, and he'll just kind of run. Yeah. At least what it seems like. I, I don't get to see the plays. No one does, but, you know, yeah. that's what it looks like most of the time, and that's why Trask got a little pressure on him, especially in that latter half of the year. Yeah, I think Pitts definitely – I really like Chase, and I really like Pitts. So, I mean, all four of these guys are – I mean, if you go into any other draft – you could probably pull out other guys, obviously, like Julio Jones and stuff. But I would say any of these four guys could be the number one pass catcher in any draft. And I don't think any team takes a huge L taking one guy over the other. Yeah. Like, I, I, I believe that if we're discluding Pitts for a second, I think Chase is better than Smith, for mm-hmm. sure, just as an example. If a team decides to go with Smith instead of Chase, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but I don't think they, like, ruin their draft or anything. Like, I think yeah. it would be all right. And then, I mean, yeah, I guess to kind of, we're about around the hour mark. I mean, with some editing, we'll probably be a little bit past the hour mark at this point. But I think this is a good place to just kind of say one more thing about the draft and move on. And it's going to be pretty simple, nothing crazy. Just talk about, like, our favorite prospects. I mean, one or two guys that we really like. I mean, I can start off if you want to take a sec. I mean, I'm just going to go, 
I'm not going to go like Pitts because Pitts is my favorite player in the draft. Like just personally, I think he's an animal. But some guys that we don't get to talk about very much on here. Uh, I'll start on the defensive side. My favorite guy on defense is Nick Bolin out of Missouri. I think he moves around the field really well. And he is traditional in a way where he'll wrap up, he'll make his tackle. But he's also versatile enough in a way where he doesn't look like some boring dude from the 80s that just stands around and cracks a running back. You know, he does his own thing. And then on the offensive side, you know, this one is, it's a lot tougher to be 100% honest. I think a guy like, like Rondell Moore is really interesting. You know, he's only 5'9". You know, that's shorter than me, which you can't say about most NFL players. And he his athleticism is insane. He seems like, anytime you see a short athletic receiver, people say, man, that's Tyree Kill. Yeah. But he's kind of on his own thing from that. He's not, I wouldn't compare him to Tyree Kill at all. He's, I, I think he's less speed, more athleticism. I th- he'd out-jump Tyree Kill. I th- personally, I feel that way. And he could probably jump farther. And he, although he might cause less separation, I really think he has ability like Hill to go find that football and bring it down. So, I mean, I think a guy like Rondell Moore, who's going to slide into that mid-second round area, most likely. I mean, if you're a team that needs a receiver and you don't get one of the big four guys, I don't think it hurts you to wait on a guy like Moore and let some other receivers go before him, because I really think it could be a steal. Yeah, uh, I think both of those guys are great players, and... um... I actually looked it up. We Rondell Moore, his vert was uh, 42 inches unofficially, yeah. which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, but I think, obviously, for a guy like him, he's not like a first-round talent, but he would be a very good receiver. Obviously, not a number one receiver, but he would be a very good guy to put in, kind of like a guy like Hardman would. Yeah, he's a guy that will slide in onto a team, and he'll always be one of those top three guys if he lives up to his potential. Yeah. He, he doesn't have number one talent, and that's why people kind of sleep on him a little. But he has really good number two and pretty solid number three potential in his future, yeah. I think. I think uh, kind of just to touch on it a little bit, on defense, uh, Micah Parsons, I think he's obviously we know how good he is. He's had some issues with his character, which I don't think is really a concern at this point. I think he hasn't really fallen on draft boards because of his character, but because of teams trading up and the offense being kind of more in the spotlight than the defense at this point, I still think he's probably the best defensive player in the draft. Um, and more teams need offense, it seems like, in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, that for me personally, him and the two corners, Sertan and Farley, are yeah. probably the three best. And then my other guy on defense, um, I watched his uh, pro day, and he just blew me away. I've, obviously, he's still a first-round talent, but Jeremiah Wusu koromoa yeah. I think he just looks amazing. Like, for a linebacker, he could probably play. He would be probably a slower cornerback, but you could put him on, you could put him on the edge. You could put him at linebacker. You could maybe even put him... I legitimately feel... With Usukormoa, I mean, I had a mark mock to the Patriots in one mock draft that I did on my own, not on the one on uh, the podcast, but he legitimately can probably play every defensive position except for defensive tackle. Yeah, and I stand by that because he showed he can play safety, free or strong. He could play any of the three linebackers. He'd probably others more than some, and I mean, he wouldn't be a super fast corner, but he has coverage ability that. 
convinced me he could and edge ability with his rushing skills that convinced me he could do that yeah so i mean that's what anything but d tackle really i think he's got a potential and i think for my guy on offense it's kind of hard bouncing out of the top guys because obviously we see the receivers and like i really like chase i really like pitts but i think trey lance is kind of in the position where he's not really in some people's board in in my board he's the third best quarterback but in some people's eyes at least like media wise i would say justin fields is kind of over him right now but it's really close but i'm i think trey lance will be even a top 15 quarterback he could definitely get into that top 10 in the next couple years if especially if he goes to the 49ers i think that would be kind of like that's a dream i yeah i think that'd be like the perfect fit for him going there and i think he would thrive a lot going there yeah i agree with that for sure i like all the guys you just talked about a lot and i almost considered saying all of them too no joke yeah uh that probably wraps it up for this episode just out on that note so i mean we talked about the nba we talked about uh ufc we touched for a couple minutes on college basketball in general and yeah that's the nfl talk too which we always find a way to slide in there especially draft talk yep yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's gonna be it for episode nine. Uh, we're uh, just as a quick note, we won't be recording uh, an episode coming up soon. So I mean, just the schedule is gonna be out of whack, but we're gonna get everything out there, and we're gonna try to stay consistent. Camp should be coming back, you know. Yeah, we're just gonna work things out. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. All right, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Those boots out. Mamba out.